Welcome to the Sunset Community Church podcast. You're listening to sermon audio from our Sunday morning services. For more information about Sunset Community Church, visit us online at sunsetcommunity.church. I'm excited about the trip that Alex and Lydia will be going on. And as he mentioned, we're this year, this will be our second kind of scouting trip uh, into... We, first, I went to Kenya earlier this year, and now they're going west to, to the Philippines. And um, our hope is that there will be opportunities in the near future, in the next year or so, for us as a church family to go back to these places and begin to develop relationships long term. Um, and the beautiful thing about this is we're not just going somewhere to people we don't have interaction with, the, those same folks that we'd be uh, interacting with in Kenya and the Philippines. We, we have that represented in our church as well. So exciting stuff. Well, my, my name is Andrew, and um, most of you know me. I'm the pastor here, and, and over the last six weeks, we've been taking a, a look, a closer look at the idea of faith. What is faith? And um, to state the obvious, as we've looked at this, this um, topic, um, this is not something that you can fully unpack in six half-hour sermons. <laughs> Uh, this is a huge topic, and, and some of you, maybe you've spent some time unpacking this in your community groups. Um, some of you have done it maybe over coffee and cookies in the bistro, and others of you, man, you fall into just like deep meditations on faith right when I'm preaching. It's amazing. Like your eyes close, your mouth opens up. I can tell you're just really thinking about it. Um, one of the reasons that we uh, wanted to talk about this as a church is because there's a lot of misconceptions about faith. Uh, many folks think of faith as this kind of like abstract feeling that's divorced from reality that's not based on truth or facts, um, and we know that's not true. Um, some of us maybe grew up in more charismatic circles, and we think faith is some kind of energy within us that we can muster up enough of, and then crazy things will happen. That's not always true either. And so we started in this series six weeks ago focusing on the, the foundation of our faith, the beginning of our faith, the, the origin of our faith. Anybody remember where that is? Who that is? It's Jesus. Some of you are hesitant on that one. So Jesus is the foundation of our faith. We wouldn't be in this building. We wouldn't have sung the songs that we just sang. We wouldn't have had the coffee that we sipped earlier without Jesus. We believe in Jesus. We believe in his teachings. And as Christians, we've entrusted ourselves to Jesus' ways. So this is the beginning of faith. It begins with Jesus. And this is different. This type of faith is different than having faith in something, Many of us have faith in things. Some of it we don't even think about. You had faith that the pew was going to hold you up when you sat on it, didn't you? Didn't even have to think about it. Many of you have faith that your car is going to get you home today. Well, some of you probably have a little less faith than that. <laughs> You're hoping it does. Faith in something is different than faith in someone. And so we've explored what does that mean? Faith is different. This type of faith is also different than having something abstract or theoretical. Like, I believe that um, something will happen someday, but this is our faith is grounded in a person who really lived, who really taught, who really demonstrated something for us. And so we, we started our series looking at the origin of our faith, the person that our faith is centered on. And then the last couple of weeks, we've talked about how 
Real faith produces something. You could say that real faith has fruit or evidence that real faith actually changes people's lives in some way. Nobody says they're scared or they aren't scared of flying, but then refuses to step foot on a plane, right? And a kid doesn't just hurl themselves off of a jungle gym into their arms of their parent unless they absolutely trust them. And so it's true or should be true of our faith as well, more than just words, but there's a verb, there's action that accompanies our faith. And yes, there are degrees of faith, right? Like there's a, there's a growth of faith, but we've seen together how even just a little bit of faith is enough. One of the things that our faith in Jesus always, always does is it elevates our perspective. Our faith in Jesus takes our eyes off of ourselves and it puts our eyes somewhere else. I love Psalm 121 where the psalmist says, and I can imagine he's thinking about everything that's going on in his life, and he says, I lift my eyes up to the mountains. Where does my help come from? What does he say? Oh, my help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. This idea of an elevated perspective, like, oh man, all these things that are going on around me right now, where do I get my help? And as he looks up, he goes, oh, wait a second. Where am I? I'm on an earth that is beautiful and created. God himself, he is my help. Other words for faith that we've used in recent days, or we can use for, for faith, is belief, trust, confidence. In this moment of need, the psalmist doesn't necessarily see God. He doesn't see a glowing figure, but is reminded of God by what he does see. Think about your life. There's been times where you haven't seen God, you haven't seen this tangible expression of God like you would see another person, but you've seen God at work, often through tangible expressions. Hebrews chapter 11 is often thought of the by faith, uh, it's thought of as by the by faith chapter because there's this list of people that talk about how they, by faith, did certain things. Hebrews 11 opens up with this definition of faith. Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. Confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. And then Hebrews 11 continues as it lists person after person after person. People that trusted God and then they acted out of that trust. They did something based on their faith in Jesus. And then Hebrews 11, after listing all those people, it closes out with this. These were all commended, these people, for their faith, yet none of them received what was, had been promised, since God had planned something better for us so that only together would, with us would they be made perfect. What do you think that means? All these people that believe God, that did these things based on their trust in God, and it says that they didn't actually receive what had been promised. What do you think that means? What, is it, what do you think it's being referred to in that verse? Hmm? The future, yeah? The Messiah. 
So they believed God would come one day and restore all things, make all things new. They believed in the promises of God, but yet they never saw the fulfillment of those promises. And so we know, because we live on the other side, the fulfillment of that promise was God himself coming into humanity in the person of Jesus. And that with them, their faith, in other words, they didn't get to see the arrival of Jesus, but by their faith in God, they still got to be a part of what we all know now. So there's this sense of like a next chapter. In fact, the very next chapter of Hebrews 12 introduces what they didn't get to experience, the author and perfecter of that faith, Jesus, Hebrews chapter 12. Now, we are, all of us, still in process today, in some ways almost like the Old Testament. There's this faith that is still working itself out in us, but we get to keep our eyes on Jesus while we work it out. But there is still an end in mind. There's still an end in mind. And the end looks like a life without sin in a body that will be free from death. That's what Jesus promised. He says, I'm going to leave, but when I come back, you are going to have a sinless body and one that will be free from death. Talk about an elevated perspective. In a a culture that is so lost in itself, in in a moment in history where there are horrific wars happening. Man, we need to have an end in mind like that, the end of death. Uh, Not just us free from sin, but this of creation being freed from sin. And so I want to close out our time together as we walk through this series. And I want us to talk about faith and the end. Faith and the end. When was the last time you read a book that finished with the words, the end. Or maybe you watched a movie. Kids books. This last week I was reading my youngest son. Who's, um, he's, he's starting to read for the first time. And the early readers that he has, uh, I, was, I was sitting with him while he was reading it. And he was doing a fantastic job reading it. And each one of these little books ended with the end. And I remember thinking, I have, that's been a while. <laughs> it's been, there's something like heartwarming about that, right? The end. So many of our stories end that way, our old stories. It's the end of that story, but it's not the end, is it? It's not the end end. It's not the final story. My son is progressing through these books, and he'll read another one. That will also finish with the end. Every big story, you think of like some of the big epics, um, they end in, in a type of culmination where the only thing that really ends is evil and tyranny. Think about, think about stories like Lord of the Rings or Harry Potter. The end is a good thing, isn't it? The end of evil and tyranny. But really... In many ways, the end is just the beginning. It's the beginning of peace, because evil's done with. The beginning of restoration. The havoc is finished. It's the beginning of joy. All the things that come with evil being fully dealt with in the end, we get on the other side of that to experience 
peace and joy. I think there is nothing that reflects the truth of the end like this better than the resurrection of Jesus. What looked like the end, it actually looked like evil had won, was actually just the beginning. And so I want to finish by jumping into uh, one chapter of this amazing book. The, the, the chapter is 1 Corinthians chapter 15. So if you have your Bibles, I'm not even going to say that. You should have your Bibles. We're in church together. Go ahead and turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Keeping the end in mind. That's what we want to think about today as it relates to our faith. Now, let me give you a little bit of context because we're jumping into a, a letter that was written to a church. And this church was in a city. This city exists. These people were real. This is a historical kind of moment that we're jumping into. And this letter, inspired by the Holy Spirit, communicated to this particular church, was written by a guy named Paul. This church, the church in Corinth, had some issues, like crazy issues. They, they were in a bit of chaos. I don't know if they were like a mega church. They were probably a pretty good-sized church, you can gather. Um, but there was, there was some issues. There were some things that needed to be set straight. And for, for some reason, that gives me a little hope for us. We got some issues too, don't we? <laughs> We don't have everything together. And so here's this letter. It was written to this church. And, and we can get an idea of one of the issues just from this letter. So let's read, we'll just read the first uh, handful of verses together, starting in verse 1. This will not be on the screen, so you can just follow along. I'm reading from the NIV. Now, brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, and on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel, you are saved. If you hold firmly to the word I preached to you, otherwise, you believed in vain. For what I received, I passed on to you as first importance, that Christ died for our sins, according to the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised, and on the third day, according to the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas and then to the twelve. After that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles, and last of all, he appeared to me also as to one abnormally born. For I am least of the apostles and do not even deserve to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace to me was not without effect. No, I worked harder than all of them, yet not I, but the grace of God that was with me. Whether then it is I or they, this is what we preach, and this is what you believed. We've talked about this in weeks past. Our faith is grounded in history. It's built on a real person. And as we just read, Jesus lived, Jesus died, and he was raised to life. Hundreds of people saw him. And it seems that one of the reasons that this is being brought up is that this church in Corinth is forgetting it. 
They're forgetting who Jesus was and what actually happened. Maybe they've just gotten comfortable with the idea. Look, we've got a cross. Yeah, I know Jesus died on the cross. Oh, yeah, on Easter we celebrate the, the empty tomb. Yeah, I know Jesus, he rose again. Maybe they got too comfortable with the idea and it was becoming less important to them. Oh, my goodness, are you kidding me? The life and the death and the rest, that is why this faith exists. And Paul reminds them, yo, this isn't just my word. These people that saw the resurrection of Jesus, they're still alive. Chances are you probably know some of them is what he's saying. You can talk to them about what they experienced. But don't forget, this is what you've placed your faith on. This is what you believe. It sounds to me like some of them were starting to lower their gaze a little bit. They were starting to maybe look at themselves and their own situations and forget about the unbelievable faith that they have believed in. Forgetting one of the defining parts of it. Verse 12 continues. Read with me. But if it is preached that Christ has been raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? If there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless, and so is your faith. More than that, we are then found to be false witnesses about God, for we have testified about God that he raised Christ from the dead. But if he did not raise him, in fact, then the dead are not raised. And if the dead are not raised, then Christ has not been raised either. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. You're still in your sins. Then those who have fallen asleep in Christ are lost. If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are of all people most to be pitied. Can you feel what's happening here? In this church, there's a, a slow separation happening of the foundational beliefs and the people who claim to follow Jesus starting to kind of move away. We see this in our culture too. There's this kind of progressive Christianity that has begun to work into many churches in our area, in our nation. And it's become, what, it, what, it's, what it's tending to do is focus on aspects of faith, kind of like the flavor of faith, but divorcing itself from the supernatural work of Jesus. You know, the virgin birth, it, that's really not critical. You know, whether Jesus actually rose again, that's not essential. We all just want to do good for our community, right? We all just want everybody to feel good about themselves. Those are the things that are most important. I don't know what the mentality was in Corinth, but boy, I can see some of that mentality here. It seems to me they're going, well, you know, we don't really know if people can be raised from the dead. It's not even important anymore. Paul makes it really clear. It's essential. But he doesn't want to let them sit in that. And so he continues, and we'll just kind of end with these last seven verses. He says in verse 20, but Christ has indeed been raised from the dead. The first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since death came through a man, the resurrection of the dead comes also through a man. For as in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive. 
but each in turn. Christ, the first fruits, then when he comes, those who belong to him, that's us, then the end will come. When he hands over the kingdom to God and the Father, after he has destroyed all dominion, authority, and power, for he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. The last enemy to be destroyed is death, for he has put everything under his feet. Did you get what Paul said here? The resurrection is essential, and this is why. If Christ hasn't been raised from the dead, then neither will we. We will just die. And all of this stuff that we were doing, all this faith that we believe would be useless, but Christ did rise from the dead. And those who believe in him, we get to rise again with him. He made, what does the Bible say? He made a way. He is the way, the only way, the truth, and the life. This is what we're talking about. We talk about eternal life. And one day Jesus is going to come back. He said he would. He's going to come back and he's going to deal with evil. And what does it say? The last enemy to be destroyed is death. So what are the implications? This is what we'll end with this morning. What are the implications of what we just read? What are the implications of our faith in Jesus? Is it simply just to live a good life now? Is it simply just to experience kind of tastes of justice and joy and peace now? Or is there a fullness to come? What are the implications of following Jesus, of trusting Jesus, of being all in on this faith? Well, the first thing is we have, as followers of Jesus, a living faith. In case you didn't catch this, while it's grounded in history, Unlike other historical religions, our founder is still alive. And his spirit is alive in us. It's growing us. It's changing us. It's pointing us to what is true and good. It's giving us a supernatural contentment that cannot be squashed by our circumstances. How is that possible? Philippians says that we can have peace that doesn't make sense in the moment. It's like bigger than the moment we can still be like, you know what? I'm going to be all right. How is that possible? It is because we have a living faith. Jesus is alive. And Jesus is coming back. Elevate your perspective. Number two, we have a different perspective because of this. What things disturb your peace? What things cause you anxiety and fear and keep you up at night? In Christ, none of those things will last. Because we know that on the other side of the end, they will be no more. So when we are dealing with fear and anxiety, and we will, and we do, and I do, and I'm sure you do, when we get lost in it sometimes, when we can't sleep at night, what we need most in those moments is to elevate our perspective, to look somewhere else. As the psalmist said, to look to the mountains where our hope comes from. I love, there's this powerful illustration of this from the Lord of the Rings, where there's this battle that's happening. And 
the good guys, are surrounded. They're in a castle in a valley, and the enemy is overwhelming the walls. It's called the Battle of Helm's Deep, for those of you Lord of the Rings nerds. The Battle of Helm's Deep, and it looks like all is going to be lost. And then, up on the hill, people look up and they see something shining. And it's Gandalf with an army coming in to rescue them. The, the enemy had no idea. Their backs were turned. But those in that moment that elevated their perspective, they saw, oh, something is about to change. And so that's what we have. We have a different perspective. Jesus is going to come back. When? I don't know. And if I ever pretend like I know, smack me upside the head. Nobody knows. But what I do know is that Jesus keeps his promises. He came like he said he would. He did what he said he would. He overcame death like he said he would. So I'm confident that when he says he's coming back, he will. And so because of that, we have a living hope. A living hope. Uh, Many of you know this has been one of the most difficult years for me and my family. We have had successive deaths starting with my dad at the beginning of the year, close friend, part of our church, Brian Williams, another family member, another family member, another friend. All five of these deaths were people that were really close to me. I've shared with people. I've, I've, as a pastor, I've had to do a lot of funerals over the years, and I feel the grief with those families, but this has been different. None of these were expected. All of them were, were out of the blue. My dad's was probably the, I had one month from when he was diagnosed to when he died. So I had a, a little time to prepare for that, but most of them didn't. A year and a half, almost two years ago, we lost, Jessica lost her dad. And I was thinking this last week, because I'm still processing this, to be honest. I haven't had, hardly had any room to grieve, it's felt like. But I was processing with my boys, my two oldest boys, we were just talking about some of the loss that we've experienced. And as we were talking about their grandpas, they've lost two grandpas, both of them had a strong faith in Jesus, and both of them, that faith was evident to the end. My father-in-law, he said, hey, you know what? If this cancer takes me, I know where I'm going to be. If it doesn't, I'm happy to be here longer. Reminded me of Paul said in Philippians, to live is Christ, to be doing what he's called me to do, to die is gain. I get to be with him. My own father said in a moment of lucidity, just before he passed, he said, I guess I've seen what I needed to see and heard what I needed to hear. He was ready. The end will come for those that have placed their faith in Jesus. The end will be good. For them, there was no fear because they knew where they were going. Christ has indeed been raised. And so will those who believe in him. And after evil is dealt with, so will the last enemy, death. This is the faith that we have. 
A faith that is only concerned with the here and now is an incomplete faith. And a faith that isn't rooted in the supernatural resurrection of Jesus really offers no real hope. We have a living hope. And thanks to Jesus, we have a sure foundation for this life until the end. Whenever that end comes. And in times of uncertainty and anxiety, the good news of Jesus elevates our perspective. And so today, if you are someone who is wondering, where will my help come from? The answer is Jesus, the maker of heaven and earth. He came into earth, into humanity, into that which he made, so that you and me might be saved. He was lifted up on a cross so that sin and death would lose their power. And he was resurrected so that the end was actually the beginning. The beginning of a new story. A story that is working toward a day when he will return. May we be, as a church, people who keep that perspective. So if you're a follower of Jesus today, which I think many in this room are, make sure to refocus your perspective. Don't fall into the Corinthian trap. Keep your sights on Jesus. And if you are an unbeliever, put your faith in Jesus. Believe in him. He is the way, the truth, and life. He is the living hope. He is the one who conquered death. He wants you to be with him on the other side of the end. And so we're going to do this. I'm going to have uh, some of our leaders come up. Our worship team is going to come back up. Uh, Heidi and Lavelle, if you could come up. We're going to have some folks just available to pray with you. And so if during this last song, whether you're a Christian or you're not Christian, if you would like prayer, then we want to invite you to come up, and our, some of our leaders will be praying with you. For the rest of us, let's stand right now. Let me pray for you. Father, we thank you that you are a living God. You don't invite us into a dead, stagnant, ritualistic faith. Forgive us when we make it that. Forgive us when we make Sundays just kind of like, oh, got to go do this, this faith thing. And the rest of our week is, is divorced from you. Oh, God, would you elevate our perspective? When we cry out for hope, may we see you. And Jesus, we thank you. We thank you for your promises. You are a promise keeper. And one day we will be fully reunited with you, fully free from sin, fully free from death. Oh, what a glorious day that will be. Thank you for your reminders from your word today, we pray. In Jesus' name. You've been listening to sermon audio from Sunset Community Church. Sunset Community Church is located in Renton, Washington. For more information, visit our website at sunsetcommunity.church.